Welcome one and all to episode 36 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host Victor and we can finally let the cat out of the bag regarding the quote unquote big project. What we have amassed for you is a list of classic hard rock and metal albums in which we will have a series of musicians, producers, uh, photographers, um, journalists, authors, writers, so on and so forth, people from all across the music industry commenting on these albums so that you get different opinions, uh, different stories regarding each one of these albums. And we kick things off with the biggest metal band of all time. The album is Injustice for All. What we're going to start off with is the title track to Injustice for All. And in a moment, we'll let you know exactly why we picked this album. And we'll get into some of the guests on this podcast.
a little bit of the title track off of Injustice for All, and before people go all crazy and say, you know, why this album was picked or whatnot, we're going to have some of this, you know, there are people that, um, uh, that this isn't their favorite album by the group and feel that other albums should be mentioned, and that's cool, you know, I don't want every opinion to be positive, I didn't want everyone to, you know, drink the Kool-Aid and jump on board and, you know, not give their side of things. And uh, that's what I think makes this so cool, is that you have different people that would prefer to talk about uh, a different album, and we'll have that in the podcast later on with one of the guests. Uh, Why this album was selected? Well, actually, let me say this first. The albums that have been selected to form part of this list were based on various conversations that I've had over the close to two years that I've had with various artists, uh, with people that I've met in person that I've spoken to, uh, with stuff that I've read online, and from my personal experience of being a music fan. Uh, Why this album is so important? Well, this is the first album to not feature Cliff Burton, Uh, so it was a major step for the band. They had to actually you know, step forward and bring something to the table to show that, you know, they were still a factor. Uh, Also, Metallica wasn't headlining at the time. A lot of people don't realize that, that before Injustice for All came out, they were one of the opening acts on the U.S. Monsters of Rock tour. The headliners were Van Halen, were Scorpions, uh, Dokken played ahead of them or after them, I'm sorry, and the only band to play before Metallica was Kingdom Come. So they were second on that bill. Uh, Now this album took off, and they were able to headline, and so on and so forth, and in Europe, I remember right after that, they did a Monsters of Rock tour where they co-headlined with Dio and had groups like Queensryche and uh, Warrior Soul on the bill, but before this album came out, they were not headlining. They were not headlining any arena tours. And as big of an impact that Master of Puppets had later on, they were opening up for Ozzy on that tour. So the other thing to consider is the impact they had, especially on MTV. Remember, up until this time, they didn't have any videos. They had the one VHS out, uh, but... There were no official videos. They were all bootlegs. And one came out, and you could not go practically an hour without seeing that video on MTV, on Dial MTV. It was 
it was retired from Dial MTV, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, one of the reasons was the outcry from Metallica. It was that one big, you know, stepping stone before everything that came after. And uh, remember, a lot of people, uh, a lot of younger fans maybe don't realize this, and a lot of people don't remember this, but the Black Album, the following album, is their biggest selling album. So this is definitely a launching pad for you know, what came after, and some of the guests allude to that. Uh, also, uh, this is an album that a lot of people copied right after it came out. Uh, regardless of what, you know, the mix was like or what the production was like, and um, I get into that a little bit later on with one of the guests. Uh, the thing is, I tried reaching out to Fleming Rasmussen, who produced the album. He originally agreed to provide his comments um, and for some reason decided to bow out in the end. Uh, Whether he becomes involved in this at a later date is up to him. Uh, The door is always open for him to come along and give his comments regarding this album or any other albums. And uh, the door's open for a lot of different people. You know, I reached out to a lot of artists to get their opinions because I do think it's very important to get a wide spectrum of opinions. And again, not just get people that are going to be rah-rahs and and absolutely, you know, kiss-ass when it comes to talking about an album. And there are some albums where, you know, the, the critiques aren't all that friendly. So, uh, before getting into the actual guest segment, let's play a little bit of one. Uh, What I'm going to do is play that final third, that majestic final third that so many people, you know, um, or so many bands were influenced by that, and so many bands copied, (laughs) you know, what takes place during that final third of the song. And this is essentially the part that's edited out of the video that appeared on MTV. So let's do that. We'll talk about who the guests are for this podcast, and we'll talk about all the people that are commenting on the albums and um, how you can get involved in this and how uh, if you're an artist and want to provide me with your comments... We'll give you an email address so that you can send all that our way as well. So here we go. We're going to go with a little snippet of one.
go. A little one coming off of Injustice for All, the album of the month, the classic album of the month. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to bring you a classic album of the month towards the middle of each month. There's quite a few that are on this list, and if this is successful, we'll continue to do this until, you know, we either run out of ideas or the uh, podcast ends, you know. So, uh, so yeah. Now, if you've gone to MarsAttacksRadio.com, you'll see that uh, we've set up not only the comments that people have written in about, uh, we've set up an index page. And this index page has essentially links to the people that are involved, to their official website, if they have a Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, Reverb Nation, Wikipedia, so on and so forth. Uh, the idea here is you know, to talk about some cool music, uh, possibly check out someone else's you know, uh, comments, and maybe that turns you on to their music as well. So we're just trying to spread the love, quote-unquote, here. And again, get people familiar with some awesome music and and connect with other people. And, um, you know, I think that there's a little bit of everything for everyone here. We tried to make this list as encompassing as possible. I know that some people had a problem with that because it wasn't focused on one uh, subgenre of metal or another. Uh, we tried to spread things out and make this, you know, more of a um, more of a, a bunch of different links that all together help make what metal and hard rock is today. Uh, again, there are going to be varying um, opinions regarding what albums should have been included and what albums shouldn't have been included, but that's part of this entire process, you know, but the idea here is to talk about, you know, stuff that we love and, um, you know, just get some cool opinions and get some cool stories. And, and there's plenty of that. What I have so far is definitely going to be, you know, worth its wild. And let me just take a brief second to just comment or actually not comment, just run down all the people that are involved up to now. And this is in the order that they signed on to do the project. So it has absolutely nothing to do with, you know, bigger names going first, second, so on and so forth. So let me just go down this list. And again, there's people from all over the industry. Uh, since I do have a Spanish language podcast, which is Fusion Sonica, can be found at fusionsonica.com. Uh, what we have are a bunch of Spanish artists. Uh, they range from being international artists, uh, national artists, and regional artists. And, uh, you know, again, just trying to get people hooked on to, um, or turned on, I should say, to some cool music. But, so here we go. We have Ron Bumblefoot Thal, obviously a solo artist known as Bumblefoot, also part of Guns N' Roses. We have Greg Prado, writer, author. He's been on the show. Uh, had He's written a bunch of cool books. And um, you'll have links to the various stores that he has where you can purchase his books. Uh, there's Dave Starr, former bass player of Vicious Rumors, current guitarist and bass player in Wild Star. Dan Lorenzo, great friend of the show, guitarist of Hades Nonfiction and The Cursed. Peter Ellis, 
former lead singer of White Wizard and The More I See. He's got a pretty cool project that he's working on. I've heard some of the demos. Sounds really cool. Speaking of White Wizard, we also have John Leone, bass player of White Wizard involved. Ron Scalzo, producer, lead singer and keyboard player of Return to Earth. And his own music, Q-Ball, also works fairly closely with Bumblefoot. Joel Gostin, former drummer of Electric Frankenstein, The Undead and Pigface. He is also an author, written a bunch of books as well. Uh, we have Metal Mike from Halford's band, Pain Museum, formerly in Testament, and Sebastian Bach's band. Vince Nielstein, editor-in-chief of Metal Sucks. Such a great website. Uh, very tongue-in-cheek website and very truthful website on many occasions. We're glad to have Vince aboard. Eric Klubert, guitarist of Gypsy Hawk, formerly of White Wizard Overloaded, Scattered Hamlet, and Shotgun. Phil Rind, lead singer and bass player of Sacred Reich. Charlie Benante, who is featured in this episode. Drummer of Anthrax and S.O.D. We have Ricky... Armelino from This or The Apocalypse. Mitz from Madball. Gene Hoagland, drummer of Fear Factory, Death Clock, Zimmer's Hole. He's been part of Strapping Young Lad, Testament, Dark Angel, Death, etc., etc. He's also featured in this podcast, and his comments and stories are definitely going to be a centerpiece of what we do. And as the episodes go on, you'll see how he opens up and how a lot of really cool stories come out. We have James J. LaRue, former lead guitarist of White Wizard and Holy Grail. We have Scott Middleton, guitarist of Cancer Bats. Jay Schwarzer, also from Cancer Bats. He's the bass player. We have... Chris Sangaridis, legendary producer of so many great albums. He's involved. We have Jane Gray from The Greatest Fear. We have Seth Thacker from Straight Line Stitch. We have Kevin Estrada, a friend of mine from back in the day from when I worked in college radio. He's a very famous photographer and video director. He's on board. We have Justin Hardman. He's web promotion manager for Frontiers Records, Frontiers Plural Records US. We have Scott LePage, guitarist of the Freeze Tag Assassins in Hades. Actually, the next two uh, people that we're going to mention are from Freeze Tag Assassins as well. We have Chris Bierman and we have Steve Banks. They're also involved in the Freeze Tag Assassins. We have comedian and co-host of that metal show, Jim Florentine. We have my good friend, Mark Striegel, co-host of Talking Metal, Talking Rock, the Mark Striegel Show, uh, owner of the web stream that I'm a part of, the Mark Striegel uh, Radio actually, MarkStriegelRadio.com, excuse me. And uh, he's been on Headbangers Ball, had the Talking Metal show on Fuse. We have links to all of his great stuff on here as well. And uh, these are some of the artists from Spain that are involved. We have Raul LR from the group Marlene. We have Raul Galvan. He's from the group Mboke. Uh We have Big Mario from Hell's Fire. We have JL from Wayne. David Gonzalez from Face the Void. 
we have Chilean drummer Gonzalo Leva Palacios. He's the drummer for Encrucijada, Encrucijada, <laughs> Crossroads in Spanish. We have Fernando, better known as Fur Fuck Yeah. He's the editor-in-chief of the Spanish metal website Fuck Yeah, translated, or if you pronounce it in Spanish, it's Fuck Yeah, F-A-K-Y-E-A. We have Danny Perez, legendary national and international drummer. He's currently in a band called Kyle. He was in a band called Schizo, uh, Saratoga, and Stravaganza. Really great drummer. Um, surprising that he's never made it out of this, out of Spain, but such is life. Uh, we have Hondro Storm from Storms to Come. We have David Lozano from Propaganda. We have Angel Rubin. He's the lead singer of band is called La Hermandad, which means the Brotherhood in English. We have Jorge Salan, guitarist for Jeff Scott Soto's band, his own solo band, and he used to be in Mago de Oz, which translated is the Wizard of Oz band that's opened up for Maiden, uh, for Dream Theater, and has toured all over uh, Europe and South America, and had one of their albums featured on iTunes not too long ago. And we have Richard from Background Noise, which is a PR company over here. He also writes for a magazine called Hard Rock Magazine Spain, and uh, he's involved. These are the people that are involved so far. Uh, Again, the doors are open for people to get involved. Other artists, we have reached out to other people, and hopefully, you know, as time goes by, we'll add more people to the list. But... I realize that I've been rambling on here. We're going to get into the interview portion right now. Before doing so, let's get into a track from Injustice for All. This is The Shortest Straw. Afterwards, we'll get into the interview portion with Mark Striegel from Talking Metal.
thing I remember about Justice for All is there was a, a real big excitement around it. You know, Metallica had had really, you know, kind of uh, broken through to the mainstream finally. And, you know, they had put out Master of Puppets, which is the album, in my opinion, that kind of helped push them through to the main, mainstream. And they were on tour with uh, the Monsters of Rock, which I believe is the first time I, I actually heard them play something off of Injustice for All. I think they did Harvester of Sorrow on that tour when I saw them. And, and there was just such a, a big hype around that record. Partly, you know, it was the first full-length record without Cliff uh, Burton. Of course, we had hit the 598 EP, uh, which Jason played bass on, which was just a, a great little bridge between the two records. And um, I guess my initial memories of the record when it finally came out, um, besides just being massive, I mean, it was everywhere. I remember going into Macy's at, at the Quaker Bridge Mall in, in uh, Trenton, New Jersey, and they had, uh, you know, and Justice for All shirts for, for sale in, in Macy's, which was... <laughs> To me, you know, who had been really turned on to Metallica much earlier when they were not even signed to a major, um, I kind of felt uh, like, hey, this band that I've been a part of that was my little thing is suddenly no longer my little thing, you know, and, uh, and you know, people that didn't even like metal were coming and getting turned on to heavy metal because of, you know, Injustice for All. Um, you know, it, it was it was definitely it definitely put them into the mainstream. They did a video for that record. Um, again, my initial thoughts of, of hearing the record where it was a very long record. Uh, I remember being a little disappointed in the mix that it just seemed to be no bass in the mix at all, uh, which was which was odd because they had this great new bass player, um, but. You know, in all, not not to put a negative, you know, sound on it, because in, in in all, I I really liked the record. I thought it had some some just great great tracks, and definitely uh, took Metallica to the next step. You know, and uh, it was uh, you know interesting. It was definitely the you know when I look back at it, it was like for sure the album that bridged, you know, their early underground thrash metal sounds to the mainstream sounds of, uh, you know, the Black Album. I mean, Injustice for All was definitely the step between those. And when you look back at it, you can definitely hear and see that. Cool. And if you had to pick one track off of that album? Um, hmm. Um... If I had to pick one track, I guess I always I always uh, tend to gravitate towards Harvester of Sorrow, just um, one of the standout tracks off that album for me. I remember I had the single, they released it as a single, and Metallica, like Iron Maiden, always released, you know, cool covers on the B-sides of those, of those singles. So it would force us not only to buy the record, but then also go out and pay them more money for uh, a single <laughs> with a few bonus tracks. So, Harvester and the, of Sorrow. And the cool thing back then, too, is that 
the the B sides were actually worth it. It wasn't the same live track over right. and over again <laughs> as True. they've done like the last fifteen years.
there you go. A little bit of Harvester of Sorrow by Metallica coming off of Injustice for All. The track that Mark Striegel requested. And let's keep things going here. The next person up is Gene Hoagland. Gene has played with a bunch of different bands. Uh, Later on, at some point down the road, he's going to have a very interesting story regarding James Hetfield. Uh, It is very worthwhile listening to. Uh, It turns out that Gene saw one of Metallica's first shows uh, where they opened up for Saxon at the Whiskey. James wasn't even playing guitar. Uh, The show itself is referenced in Dave Mustaine's book. So uh, he gives an interesting spin on all of that. Uh, Gene, of course, grew up in the Los Angeles area. So he's got plenty of cool things to talk about. Uh, In any event, let's play a little... Uh, Dyer's Eve before jumping into the segment with Mr. Hoagland.
Alrighty. Well, I remember getting that one, you know, when it came out, and uh, the obviously, every, you know, I mean, I'm sure other people have talked about this, but the uh, but the production on it was really strange, and I do think that that is ultimately like when it comes to the drum sound, the kick drum, the kick sound in particular. I think that is the thing that ended up influencing like all the, I, I could be wrong, but uh, I thought it really influenced a lot of the triggering that came along later, especially with guys like Scott Burns and stuff like that, where, uh, you know, the kick drums got to be this really kind of clicky tone, not a lot of mid, but click and then a little bottom. Right. And, you know, when, when the death metal, uh, Scott, you know, the Florida death metal and even, you know, like Nate Punk out going down to record in Florida with, uh, with Scott Burns and everybody started having kind of that clicky drum sound. I kind of thought that everybody was trying to achieve the, the uh, you know, and justice drum sound. Like Pantera, for instance, I thought they were trying to do the same thing and they were a large mm-hmm. band, very influential on a lot of bands. So, uh, but I, I actually, you know, I, I was never the largest Metallica fan. Every album had oh. some really killer songs and, then they had a bunch of filler, I thought, you know, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, and Justice for All was one that, you know, I, listening, I listened to it again recently, and I got to admit, it's like, okay, the songs, back in the day, songs were okay to be eight minutes long, seven minutes long, ten minutes long, you know, it's like, we never noticed that. And I could hear these days where if they did have somebody kind of, you know, chopping a bit out here and there for him, like a, a producer or a trusted ally or something, saying, "Hey, man, this riff is kind of going nowhere, guys. Why don't you <laughs> chop this one off the off this song, and you'll have a really snappy song." But you know, I thought the title track was great, and I loved Dyer's Eve. I thought that was killer, and and you know, Blackened was a cool song, and I just I, I dug a whole lot off that record. I loved James's vocal lines on it. I thought he was really coming into his own as a vocalist, and. Uh, you know, and so I, I, I dug the record. I thought it was all right. Um, so there's there's my take on that. Okay, cool. I guess and it, you know it influenced bands to put bass on their records. <laughs> <laughs> like hey, the bass is like hey man, don't don't Jason me. You know, turn me up a little bit. Come on, guys. <laughs> Interestingly enough. Um... I'd gotten the producer Fleming Rasmussen to agree to do this, and I that. well, he he agreed, and then yesterday he pulled out all of a sudden. He says, Aww. you know, I, yeah, he says none of the albums really do anything uh, for me. You know, I'd rather pass. And I sort of, you know, wrote an email getting down on my knees and saying, you know, hey, if nothing else, could you just write a little tidbit about? you know, working with Metallica on Injustice for All, and he agreed to do that. So I think that that's pretty cool. But uh, it's just sort of odd. In, that's interesting that on a list of, what, 30, 40 metal albums, some of which are quite seminal, uh, yeah. not one does anything for him. Wow. He must be into, like, <laughs> Gorgoroth and, like, real underground stuff. You know, he's funny <laughs> Rasmussen. He must be true and cult. So... <laughs> You, you know, that's well, funny because – go ahead. Oh, no, no go, go ahead. That's, that's cool. No, I, w- I was going to say, you know, those are some of my favorite terms because uh, uh, w- when you get into different arguments nowadays, um, that always comes out about, you know, what metal is true and what isn't and what's cool and what isn't. It's 
it's sort of sad that uh, things have sort of come to that where I think there are so many different facets available to you. And that's what I tried to do with this list instead of just focusing on, you know, like you'd said, some obscure Scandinavian stuff, which there are plenty of other sites that do that already. So sure, absolutely. Doing it.
a little blackened there, the lead track off of Injustice for All. Before that, we had Gene Hoagland talking about the album. And uh, what we're going to get into is some comments from Charlie Benante. And I have to say this. Originally, the idea was to take everyone's comments down via email and post them up on the web. Uh, Then I found that certain people preferred speaking about the albums over the phone. And uh, in Charlie's defense, if it sounds that um, at times if he's distracted by other things, um, he actually was under the understanding that this was going to be used in a written format. Uh, I have since reached out to him to mention, you know, that we were going to be using this as a podcast due to the fact that, you know, I have like five hours worth of comments from Gene Hoagland without you know, any exaggeration. I'll edit that down so that each podcast we have, you know, some minutes of him talking about uh, the different albums. It's apparent right from the start when I mentioned to Charlie that the album is Injustice for All that he wasn't comfortable speaking about this album. Uh, And I can understand, he was very close to the band, he's obviously, well, him and Anthrax are part of the Big Four shows, and he knew the band before they were big. Uh, There's so many stories about, you know, how Anthrax helped them out early on, and actually, I grew up in the town where uh, Kirk Hammett debuted with the band. I grew up in a town called Dover, New Jersey. Um, and so, you know, I understand he had that personal connection and, you know, probably putting the production aside and everything else, there's probably a lot of feelings in there regarding the death of Cliff Burton. And he's going to get into that during this part. Uh, he preferred to talk about Master of Puppets. So what we're going to do is the following. We're going to play a track off of Master of Puppets going into his piece, and then another one coming out. So uh, what we're going to start off with is a little battery. And I think the choice coming out of the interview section with Charlie is pretty obvious as to uh, uh, what we're going to play. But uh, here we go, little battery by Metallica.
Panther Puppets is a, is a signature record. It's probably my favorite Metallica record. Um, everything about that record is, is, is beautiful. It is aggressive. It is uh, melodic. It, it, it has moments of uh, sadness. It has moments of uh, cheer for me. Um, being close to that record and, you know, being close to the band at that time, uh, it was a very emotional period because of the death of Cliff. And um, it's sad to me because when I hear, when I listen to that record, that's the thing I immediately think of is Cliff Burton. Right. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, of course. It's a good thing because it reminds me of him and, and what he what he did for not only that band, not only for that record, but for music in general. He, right. he is just, uh, a, you know, one of those people that you look to him, it's like, you know, you look at Paul McCartney, and it's like, this guy's just got it. You know, he's got all the makings of everything. It doesn't matter if he's fucking sick, he'll still get up there and do 100%. It's just a natural thing. That's the way I felt about Cliff. Did you know that right off the bat when you met him? Was it that kind of person where he just always had that aura around him? He was just cool. He was just really cool. And he was the only person I knew at that time that was wearing bell bottoms um, <laughs> when everybody else was wearing tight jeans and stuff like that. And he played, uh, at the time, he was playing a ripping back of bass. And I always thought that was the coolest because, you know. <laughs> Paul McCartney played a Rick, Getty Lee played a Rick, and I thought that was, this is cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. But that record is all, that record is, is, is a great record. It just has um, some classic songs on it, and um, it's, uh, it's timeless.
so there you go. A little Orion coming off of Master of Puppets. I want to thank, first of all, the people that have uh, provided their comments, and to Charlie Benante, Gene Hoagland, and Mark Striegel for providing their comments in a recorded format over the phone. Um, I think that, uh, you know, some of you are obviously going to say, oh, well, you know, big deal. Uh, they're doing another list or whatnot. There's going to be plenty of twists and turns in here. Uh, some albums that you don't expect. Some albums that people are going to criticize as to why they were chosen. Others that are obvious choices uh, due to the fact of who the band is and um, what options are available. And, you know, with some bands, you definitely can't go wrong regardless what album of theirs you select. But anyway, um, thanks for listening to this. If you want to continue to follow what we're doing with these classic albums, go to MarsAttacksRadio.com, go to FusionSonica.com, although the comments there will be in Spanish. Uh, Just during the course of each month, towards the middle of each month, we'll release another one of these podcasts. And we'll have comments up on both websites. And the idea here is uh, this is a starting point. Uh, Hopefully more artists become interested in doing this. Uh, If you're interested in providing your input for this, uh, all you have to do is send an email to input at marsattacksradio.com. It's as simple as that. So uh, thanks again for listening to this podcast We are going to end things with Freight Ends of Sanity from Injustice for All. Thanks a lot, and see you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast.
Get out.